the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. I am on. Okay, I'm just checking because I don't hear myself. Uh, I don't hear what uh, is going on. Oh, I think I hear myself now in uh, in that box. So we're good. Okay. Well, it's that kind of a day. It's a Monday, right? This is what Mondays are for. If it's going to go wrong, much better on a Monday than for it to uh, happen on another day of the week. Anyway, good to be with you. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I hope you did have a good Mother's Day. Is it Mother's Day apostrophe S or just Mother's plural? I think it's Mother's Plural Day, not Apostrophe S Day. Like it's your mother, your personal mom's day, Apostrophe S. But it's all the mothers is plural. I think that's what it is, Mother's Day. Anyway, it was pretty good. 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott at KKLA.com if you want to write an email. All right. You know, what we do in our show is we try to take a look at the issues of the day and then take a Christian perspective or a biblical perspective. And I think in order to do that, you really got to go deep. And some subjects are harder. Some subjects are complicated. I think we just don't like it. I think not that we don't want to resolve it. I think we do. I think genuinely we would like to deal with things. But I think some conversations are hard and then we don't have them. And then things just get worse. All right. So one of the issues happening this weekend is President Biden gave a speech. And in the speech, he said this. To choose love over hate, unity over disunion, progress over retreat, to stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. I'm not saying this because I'm of the black HBCU. All right. So he made those comments and you know, people are talking about, it. I think most people on all sides kind of don't really think that white supremacy is the greatest threat to our nation. But I don't think that's a reason to dispatch of really good conversations in the church about race. You know, I think people don't think so. I looked up the numbers. The uh, Anti-Defamation League actually keeps track of extremism-related murders in the United States. Did you know that? They keep, they keep studies about this. How many, how many extremism-related murders would you say happened in the United States in 2022? Out of about 22,000 murders, which is a huge, terrible number, uh, what, how many of those are related to any kind of extremism, would you say? Uh, the number they have is 25, not 2,500, not 250, 25. And out of the 25, what they came up with was about 80% of those in 2022 were white supremacy driven, meaning that out of those extremist points of view, the different kinds of extremist points of view, 
uh, 80% was the highest number ever of white supremacist uh, killings. Ten of those were in the Buffalo math shooting at the supermarket that happened there that terrible, terrible day. Uh, and, you know, that person uh, gratefully pleaded guilty. I think he's going to jail the rest of his life, which is necessary. And he was – he definitely had – uh, influence from white supremacist websites and other things. And it was a just an evil, evil, sick thing that he did. Uh, so it, it isn't to lower the, you know, the feelings for people who are suffering because of these things. But it's really hard to say that uh, this is the biggest threat our country faces when it's such a tiny amount of so much of the violence that goes on. What happens is in a lot of these types of things, when somebody does something that's extreme or whatever, we, we elevate the stories you know, there was some kind of uh, march going on this weekend with, I think, about 200, 150 to 200 is what I read of some kind of white supremacist. And they got a stupid mask on, a bunch of cowards and uh, losers, and they got a bunch of they got a bunch of press. You know, 150 people, 200 people marching in Washington or in Boise or in different. You get no press if it's just some other thing. Right. Zero. Nobody cares. It gets elevated and it drives a narrative that I think is about creating distance and creating problems. So let me ask you this question. Speaking as church people and acknowledging that the church, I think, struggles to figure out how to address these things or how to rise above the politics of left and right, how to rise above the issues that happened, especially in the last couple of years with the 2020 issues and all of that. Have you ever had a conversation that's hard? Can we do this? Are we able in the church to take a step back and address race or address the division that happens even inside the church that is often divided by party lines? What's your experience with that? What do you think about this subject? I mean, how do we as followers of Jesus, if you're kingdom-minded, I've been in some discussions about this that are super productive, and I've been in some that are not. I can tell you that the ones that are not productive are usually ones that are driven by left and right politics, your side, my side, you know, uh, and different politics and how much of the budget is going to be spent where. And it often gets into things that aren't even related to relationships with each other. But there is a fact. The fact is that the kingdom of God is all nations, that the kingdom of God is going to be, when we are at the wedding supper of the Lamb, we're going to be sitting with people from all backgrounds, from every part of the human race. And this is what we offer to the world as the conversation, that Jesus, who was Jewish, died for everybody. Jews and Gentiles, that he died for the world, not people that he liked, not people who looked like him, but people of the world, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. All throughout the scripture, you have the idea that we are all human beings made in the image of God. We have a great story. We have a great vision, a great place to go. We have messed this up. At many times, often the church has used the scriptures and twisted them around to do things that were evil, including racism in our country, slavery, Jim Crow, some other things. There are some people who think those things today, for sure. 
Uh, and, and they kind of crop up every once in a while. I remember in the 80s and 90s, you know, we had these neo-Nazi skinheads, we used to call them. A bunch of, uh, you know, I don't know, a bunch of guys marching around and shaving their heads. And I don't even know what that was about. But it, it made the news all the time. But it was, relatively speaking, small number of people. And it isn't that people don't have other issues in their heart. They certainly do. It's also pointed out that our churches are highly segregated. Now, in Southern California, where most of you are, it's less so than other places, but it's still pretty significant. I think you would say that. I would, I've been in other parts of the country and go to church and been shocked by it as a Southern California native. You know, being at church where I am in a room of a thousand people and they are all perfectly white. I was in the church in, uh, <laughs> I was visiting a church in Florida one time, visiting my sister. She lived there for a while. Went to her church. Everybody was white. Across the street was another church. It was about a thousand people. Everybody was black over there. And they had no interaction at all. They were literally across the street, literally. And there was a Popeye's chicken that was attached to the white people church. And the white people went to the Popeye's chicken. And there was a church's chicken literally across the street. I mean, literally. And the black people went to the church's chicken. And nobody crossed the street to do anything. And I said, well, do you have prayer meetings? Do you have worship nights? Do you even play softball together? What do you do? Nothing. And I, that was a shocking thing for me. This is a long time ago, but th- that, that's something that exists that's real that does not reflect the kingdom of God. It just doesn't. If you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. How do we raise this conversation? Have you tried? What's your experience? What would you like to see churches do and church leaders do to address this? What have you experienced with that? I think the conversation sometimes is different because I think sometimes we don't even have the conversation where we we even take put ourselves in a position where we can even understand where people are coming from. Does that make sense? That sometimes these things, and especially now because it is so politically charged, it is an era that I don't remember in my life, maybe if you're older and you were a part of Jim Crow laws and some of the white nationalist groups that, you know, came out in the 60s and 70s and and extensions of the KKK and, and other things, you have some memories that are different. But what's it like in 2023? Is it is it better? What do we need to make it better? What do we need to do in the church? I think we need to get people in a room and have a conversation where we can actually lead because if you have kingdom goals, wherever you're coming from, from your, your Christian tradition, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, and if you believe that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life, you believe that he paid for the sins of the world, that he actually rose again from the grave physically, that he came out, that it's not just a happy feeling about things that he taught. It's such an important thing for Christians to recognize this. And some some people who are in some church groups don't recognize this. They think that the we worship Jesus because he taught good things, that the idea is, well, we follow Jesus because he told us to love our enemies. And he said to treat others as you would have them treat you. And he said a lot of really good things about unity and how we should get together and that the reason to follow Jesus is because he was the best teacher. He is the best teacher, uh, but that's not the reason. 
the reason we follow Jesus is because he came up out of the grave. See, the reason we follow Jesus is because he is who he said he was. And, and when, he's, when I say that, I mean that he died for the sins of the world, that he really did, that he, as the scriptures say, became sin for us. That includes the sins of hatred, whatever they are, in all kinds of different ways, that he died for that, that the pain that has been experienced by people in everywhere in the world and in different ways is nailed to that cross, see? And he rose again from the dead, he came up. It wasn't just his idea. See, when Peter was on Pentecost, standing before everybody and um, preaching, he's preaching to people who knew that Jesus had died. He's preaching to people who saw him get crucified, not just people who heard about it. I suppose there's some people in Jerusalem who weren't there, some people who didn't want to go look because it's kind of grotesque. But he's preaching to people who knew something. They knew that he had died, and they knew that he was no longer in the grave, and many of them, maybe even most of them, had seen him walking around. That's a, you know, that's a, a group of people who doesn't need a lot of faith to believe that Jesus rose from the grave. Okay? They saw it eyewitnesses. That's what you read about, by the way, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You read eyewitness reports. You have eyewitness reports that are being reported by the early church in Acts. Peter gets up, and he doesn't say, hey, Jesus taught us some great stuff. We need to love our enemy. We even need to love the Romans who oppress us. Let's get out there and do what Jesus said. In the spirit of the great teaching of Christ, let's love one another. That's not what he preached. You know what he preached? He said, hey, you people killed the Son of God. You killed him. You murdered him. But he rose again from the grave. He came up. That's not usually the, the thing that you say to win over an audience. Hey, you guys did a very evil thing. But that's what he said. And what happens? Lo and behold, the church begins, and thousands of people get saved, and thousands of people receive the Holy Spirit. And the church goes from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, just as the church was supposed to do. With all of the flaws, many flaws that we see, including racism and other things that are addressed in the New Testament, where people were still experiencing you know, stupid ways to, to hate each other. And we're supposed to bring that to cross. You ever have a real conversation about this? I mean, in your church, have you ever got together with a church that meets differently than you, whether it's black or white, or maybe it's a different language, a different style? You're not going to get along too well if one church doesn't believe that Jesus rose from the grave. You won't get along too well if one church believes that Jesus is not the Savior or he's just one of many saviors. Those things are doctrinally different, okay? But churches that have the same underlying belief about salvation through Christ and Christ alone— have you ever had that conversation? Have you ever done that? Anybody who's listening, you know, it's sometimes it's a very, it, that conversation's always easier than I think some people think, but a lot of people are afraid of it. And I think the fear is because of the politics. The fear is because we are so divided, and I would say deliberately so, because of the politics, that it devolves into that and left and right, and who's going to win the elections. When I hear our president say this is the biggest threat, you know, I think he's wrong. I hope that he's wrong. You know, and we're only talking about 25 of the 22,000 murders being related to 
any extremism at all. I think it's it's 18, 19 of them because of white supremacy, but it's only half in the previous years. Some years it's been, if you go through those studies and you go back, sometimes it's Muslim extremism. You know, this year we have sort of, if you, I don't know if it's even the way you say it, trans extremism, you know, with the shooting in Nashville and you have different things like that where somebody's clearly got extremist, I don't even know if I should use that word because extremist is a word we've also destroyed, you know, because we we sort of label people today if they just slightly believe differently than us, they're an extremist. Uh, what I'm talking about are people who are clearly motivated motivated by ideologies of hate, ideologies of evil, and there are many. It's still not many that are driven by that. I mean, anybody I think who's going to go murder a bunch of people is driven by some kind of ideology of hate. Okay, but but I also think that mental illness is a thing, and I think that there's a trouble in the human condition when we reject God in general, which is where our culture is headed. Where It's where our culture is more and more often, right, is that we're secular. And if you are secular, any sort of moral sense of the value of human beings is difficult to lift up. And if you do, it's kind of selfish, right? I mean, if there's no God, if there's no ultimate higher power to hold us accountable for our murders or our racism or whatever evil that we want to do, then why? What difference does it make? Isn't it just about power until you die and survival of the fittest? That's, that's ultimately what it is. You can deny that and you can say, no, we're humanitarians and we believe that you know, we should be kind to other human beings and, and we all have to live together. Uh, that's true until you decide that isn't. And then who's to tell you you're wrong? That's the problem of no God. That's the problem of having no higher source of our moral worth is that when you follow through with it, and that's why your your philosophers, okay, your Nietzsche's and people like that, your philosophers, you know, they start going nuts because they want to deny that there's a God and they want to hold to the idea that there's no God. But to do that, you you have to find some other reason to value human beings, and that's really difficult if we're just dust in the wind. It's really a difficult thing to do outside of some kind of eternal justice, some kind of cosmic justice that is holding us accountable. As Christians, we believe there is such a such a cosmic justice. As Christians, we believe that we will stand before Christ that all the world will, will, and that even if you happen to get away with it in this life, you're not going to get away with it on Judgment Day. All will be known. Most people, it's going to be exposed. Most of our stuff will be exposed long before we die. That's, that's what happens. But if you get away with it for a while, nobody actually gets away with it. And that includes hate that we might harbor in our hearts. That includes wrong, wrong views about Jesus and his death and who he died for, all of those things. And it includes the most evil that we do or the things that just seem like regular everyday evils, like gossip, you know, which, by the way, is a terrible, terrible evil. And it hurts people. It destroys people. The, the Proverbs writer says it destroys close friends. You know why gossip destroys close friends? It's because if you're in a group of people and you gossip all the time, eventually one of those people is going to gossip about you or you're going to gossip about them when they're not in the room and they're going to find out about it. And then they're not going to share their life with you the same way. 
because they don't trust you to keep it to yourself. They don't trust you to be a good friend, see? And eventually, people who gossip a lot or slander other people, they turn on each other eventually because they lose all their friends outside of their friends, and then all they have is their friends. And the scriptures turn out to be, as always, incredibly correct. You know, as we hear these things in our culture today, and we're dealing with questions and comments about race with, you know, the things that the president says, the things that get said about political candidates, what's happening at the border, so many different things. Let's have a conversation where we elevate it, where we say, as Christians, we don't need to be beholden to a group or some kind of group think. We need to take a look at Scripture and what would Jesus have us do. I think he would have us humble ourselves. I think he would have us listen. I think he would have us meet together. I think he would have us be friends. What I find is that one of the best ways for church people, really for anybody, but also church people, to get past racism that they have or fears that they have that are unfounded, dumb stuff, is to make friends with people who are different, genuine friends. I mean, the kind of friend that you have over for dinner. Okay? Not just somebody who you, you chatted with online or something or you sat by somebody in church. Actual friends where you can have a real in-depth conversation. We need to do better on that. I think the time, it's always the time, but with the rhetoric and the different things coming, that needs to be us. What do you think? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. When we come back, we'll take your calls on this issue. Also, updates on what is happening at the border and some other things going on in the news. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I will be back as the Monday edition continues. The number is 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. The president said over the weekend, and we played the clip earlier, that uh, one of the The biggest national threat is white supremacy. He has said that before. Um, Anti-Defamation League tracks uh, extremist murders, okay, meaning that in their way of using that, that it's um, all about uh, what is driving the – what's the motive? Is it an ideology that is white supremacy or, um, you know, something in uh, extremist Islam or other things? They start to to write this. And – it's they report if you just read it by percentage, always be always be concerned when you just get a percentage and not a number. Eighty percent of the extremist related murders in 2022 were committed by white supremacists. All right. But the number of total murders is 25 out of the 22,000 ish. OK, so it's it's not to downplay what the people have experienced there or the evil that led to it with that ideology. But it's really difficult to to go there. But what I'm asking is this question. For the church, there's clearly issues of race that we have need to, needed to deal with. How do we elevate this conversation and not make it left and right? Take it out of the politics, whatever the politicians say, 
is there are ways that we can come together. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Jay in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, how are you doing, Pastor? Hi, good, Jay. How are you? Well, I'm doing good. Uh, Thanks for letting me uh, come on for a little bit. Um, I just wanted to talk about a little bit about what I've gone through as far as gossip, because you brought up gossip and you also brought up uh, defamation and, um, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, defamation. I think uh, there was something else you brought up that's related to. Well, we've talked about uh, we're talking about how we even treat each other, even in the church, racism. But I brought up gossip or other things also. Right, slander. Slander. You mentioned slander. Yeah. So, so the point that I kind of want to bring out was uh, that you also said that gossip is evil. I think it's beyond evil. I think uh, not only is it the tool of the devil, and I was at a church where I, I, I deliberately brought out and said those exact words. We have the tools of the devil here in the church being used, and uh, I was basically kind of almost ignored. Like, yeah, okay, so you know yeah. some scripture, you know, it you creates know some Bible a, stuff. It creates a lot of pain and division, and more, and we don't talk about it as much, right? We skip that one is one of the big sins of the church, but it is. Right. And see, this is uh, where it got me was that um, I was already in a lot of pain. I was already hurting from everywhere else. I was basically blacklisted uh, for something that was over-exaggerated. And so I'm talking about, like, my community turned against me. Uh, the schools where my daughters uh, were attending. Uh-huh. I, I was like a, a parent volunteer there. I was walked out of the school. Um, so so by the time I get to the church, I, I tell, I, I, I talk to the people there and uh, to the elders and other, other church members. I say, you know what, I hope this is a church where one comes to heal because... Yeah, what did uh, they, what'd they say? I want to go, I want to keep moving. So what did they say, Jay? Um, so they, they, they just didn't, you know, they, they couldn't give me like, well, what is a church was my question is like, uh, you know, cause a, a couple of different churches go different directions yeah. with that question. They say, well, it's the head of the body of Christ. Well, were they so, able to, were they able to help you? I got a bunch of calls, Jay. So what at the end of the day happened? Were you able to find a church body that you're able to participate in? No, uh, I, I, part of the gossip was that that I've been blacklisted from a number of churches in my community. Wherever I go to, the pastor there starts preaching on, you know, this and this and that. So so when there's a church like that, I, I call it gossip preaching and not gospel preaching. All right. And I'm going to... Many Jay, I need to move on to some other calls. I'd recommend maybe go to one of those churches and ask him real specifically... You know, just be humble about it and say, and that's part of, I think, the rest of this conversation, even whether we're dealing with race or dealing with other stuff. Sometimes we got to ask the question, well, what about me? You know, I mean, if you're having that experience, Jay, over and over and over again at the schools, at the churches and other things, you really need to say, I'm coming across in some, some way that's not good. Maybe everybody's wrong, but maybe I need to adjust how I'm, I'm coming across there. I think, I think that matters. And, that's part of elevating a conversation I think that's hard. And when we're talking about race, which is really where we're, we're headed here, it is something that is we have to be able to listen and 
you know, agree or disagree, but we've got to be humble enough to have the conversation. And that's, I think, hard in a whole lot of issues. 888-528-2557. Shelley in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, yes, sir. Um, I would like for you to uh, try to uh, clarify something for me. I read in one of the books, it's first or second Kings, uh, regarding um, Elijah having one of his um, closest aides to betray him in some type of ordeal that was going on. And suddenly, uh, uh, when after this occurrence of the betrayal, uh, Elijah uh, more or less cursed him and caused him to turn white as snow. Now, based on um, saying something like that, uh, could it mean that uh, uh, the Jewish people at that time were of color? And um, by this guy um, being turned uh, to a, a different shade, that there was some type of in- inherited um, yeah you know shelley i don't i don't buy into a lot of that i think that the perspective of the the bible uh has very little to do with people of color there is a division of jews and gentiles and by the way things work out is Jesus becomes the savior of both. And well, I'm talking about the God being cursed and turned white as snow. I think, you know, I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. I'll have to look at specifically. You said it's Elijah? Yeah, it's Elijah. All right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not with you following there, so I'll have to look it up, okay? So I'll see about that, uh, Shelley. And uh, if I can throw something in, I will. I'm I'm not sure that that the white is snow thing has anything to do with skin color. I think it means clean uh, is the idea. That would be what I say. Thank you for calling, Shelley. Uh, Dave in Santa Paula. Dave, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you for having me, Pastor Scott. I appreciate the the uh, the subject matter because we had a sermon on it, and the sermon dealt with having to go into a church and not seeing the same type of ethnicity that you might be used to in your church family that you have at home. And the diversity of home is so much more different sometimes in our churches and what we're comfortable with. But I think the, the, the pill of courage that people often take, and I'm a marriage counselor and they do this even when they're having disagreements with their spouses, is they'll either use social media or texting, which you know, you and I both know that because communication deals with 75% body language and tone of voice and right. words, then we're actually shortchanging ourselves. And when people get on social media, they automatically feel that they want to give their opinion or their outlook instead of really doing what the Word of God wants us to do and what they probably hear at the pulpit. So I, I'm a firm believer that there's hope. But then again, we have to be aware and very uh, knowledgeable about what social media has done in our world. And the enemy is such a smart uh, general with what he wants to do to up, 
uh, you know, to, to take away from what God was trying to build through us, his church, that this is something that we bite on all the time as human beings. And this is something that we really have to start monitoring, not only in ourselves, but in our children. And, you know, when we talk about church family, we also have to realize that churches, most of the time, and they first started out, were meeting in homes, were meeting in, in places yeah. that were comfortable to each other. So there's a lot of things going on right now, but the first thing I think is, Pastor Scott, we need to watch social media and be careful what yeah. we say. Well, we definitely need to uh, watch social media. What you said about so much of communication, I think it's more than 70%, it's body language and stuff. We need to be in the room with each other. Uh, whatever the issue is, you got to be in the room. Thank you, Dave, for your call with that. You know, the, the struggles that church has had with race and other things long before social media, but I think social media makes it worse because it removes us even another step away from each other. I think that a big part of it is of how to have these conversations in an elevated, productive way is we've got to know each other. We've got to have meals together. We've got to do things together with people who think differently than us or who look differently than us or have different background. You know, we learn a whole lot. We come together pretty quick, I think, for for kingdom-minded believers when we do that. 888-528-2557. Mike in Burbank, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, hi, Pastor Scott. Um, you know, I... I have an issue like I hear I hear the word racism a lot, you know, on the news and everything. And I just, you know, when I was growing up, like the term racism, the definition was that, you know, if you hated another race because of their race or whatever. And if I like I'm white and if I hated black people for whatever reason that, you know, that's. That, really, that's ignorance because not all black people are the same. Just like not all white people are the same. But so, but my question, and and I would like you to answer it. But by the way, I just want to say something really quick. You know that there's two churches that you talk about. Yeah. The, the church is chicken and the chicken face, whatever. I was thinking, you know, I think one was one group, one church is yeah. predominantly, and one is predominantly white. I just wonder if they were both churches were white, they still wouldn't cross the line and go, you know, go to the other church. <laughs> well, that's, you know, uh, Mike, well, I have a question. Okay, go ahead and ask you, your question. It, okay, so I, really, I, honestly, I don't even know that it, what, what, the, what the definition of racism is, at least today, in, in, today's, in today's age. What's the, the definition? What would you say is the definition and then, I, and then I, I, could, I would make a suggestion that you would ask us, you know, to call in, at, you know, when, like, if we struggle with whatever it is, whatever that definition is, if any of us struggle with it, you know, why and what we struggle with, so, so we could be vulnerable and, and open that up. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mike, for your call. Uh, I got to go to a break here. So, you know, the, the world today is sort of destroying definitions of all kinds. So the way I would answer that, rather than just give a definition, I mean, I think if you think your race somehow is superior to the other, then uh, whether you deliberately, you consciously think that, or if it's just how you act, you know, you've got, you've got a problem. It's wrong. But scripturally, we're told to be united in Christ. If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then 
Paul writes, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You can apply that to all kinds of things. Mike, you made me laugh about the uh, the two churches. I was talking about how an all-white church, not predominantly white, everybody was white, and across the street, everybody was black, and they never do anything together. Mike, you're probably right that the uh, churches probably don't go across the street no matter what they are. That's another thing I think churches in general uh, need to be able to get together and work. I got to take a break. I see your call, Alvin and David and Ken and others. As soon as we come back to Pastor Scott's show, I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Talking about race, conversations that the church needs to have on this subject. Have you had those conversations? Have you Are you afraid of it? Is it something that has been fruitful or something that maybe went into just politics left and right and didn't go anywhere? I think we need to elevate this discussion. I think that in our country, you know, part of what the church does is not to be political about these things, but to ultimately be the example that I think then filters into our politics. 888-528-2557. Alvin in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Alvin, go ahead. Hi, Alvin. Um, Thank you. First off, I think this is my probably my third time calling into your show and just want to thank you for everything that you've done. Um, I just want to start by saying... um, I mean, there's a lot of components to this issue. And first off, uh, I'm speaking as a as an African American um, who who's had to actually pivot from moving from one church to another church that's predominantly African American. And unfortunately, I've had to make that change because I just felt that. The previous church that I was attending just could not separate the podium from the pulpit. Not to say that I think the most important thing is I'm still being spiritually fed at the end of the day. But I think really the problem, just kind of peeling back the layers, just like you said earlier, is it's important to sit down and have a conversation and understand both sides. And I'll admit that I feel a sense of conviction that maybe there's some things that maybe I could do better. But I just think overall the difficulty now is that both sides are just unwilling to sit down, have a conversation, and understand each other. And I think that's where repentance just has to come back to the church. So that's one thing. And touching on your point about the social media, one of the one of the red flags that I saw is social media started to become prevalent in the political space. Is as soon as people started openly sharing their political views, that is where the division just started to escalate. And I'm speaking from from both from from both sides, and not blaming yeah. one political side. And I think it's just extremely important. As soon as I, I think just really taking the time to, to understand both sides and just having that conversation, not talking 
at one another. I think that's really the example that we would be setting as the church because at the end of the day, um, the examples that you're sharing on your show, that's what's driving the world away from the church, and we really have to do better as as a church. Um, the one last thing that I do want to close with, one of the things for me as an African-American, now there's a lot of churches that make the comments about the word woe, and I think that it's taken way out of context. The important thing to understand about that from my perspective as an African-American is the word woke is to, is to stay alive now as a Christian, of course. You know, we it's, uh, free it's, ourselves from It's really that, where that, that word originated, so it's changed you know, over time. Exactly. But it means exactly. something deeper exactly. and older if you are an African-American. Exactly, exactly, yes. So that's just so, so that's just kind of my perspective on that, not yeah. blaming, you know, one side, but I just think where we are, we just have to repent as a, as a church. And and the church that I go to was having ongoing conversations about this, and it's not exclusionary, and it's welcoming of everybody, but that's why I've had to make that decision, because at the end of the day, it's I didn't want any of that division to distract me from getting fed in my faith. Yeah. That's all that matters to me. Do you feel that um, a relationship is also part of it? So more than, I guess what I'm getting at is I think more than just having an understanding of where people are coming from, I think we need to be friends. Like right. That that's correct. It, repentance is correct, but we need to find a way to, to be friends. And you, you do find a way if you just do it. It's not that hard, but you got to do it. Right. Correct. Yeah. Well, Alvin, thank you for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Appreciate it very much. All right. Uh, David, uh, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, I really appreciate you, man. You hit a nerve. Uh, I appreciate you so much because this should have been done 260 years ago. You are bringing the spirit back of Christ. You are representing Christ. That's why he died on the cross. You know and I know we all supposed to show love because we are a child of God. We got to be different from the world. I believe I don't need no witness, but I believe the people that listen might need a witness. The Bible speaks for itself. We supposed to love each other. Christian people will love each other, according to the writers of the Bible. Yeah, brotherly love is a Christian term. It's love of other historically, love of others for the sake of their Christianity. Yes, sir. You know, I really appreciate that. I've been shaking. I'm 77 years old. Ever since I, my wife had the, the radio on, I said, baby, will you call to them? I am blind. Okay, but I used to see a lot. Mm. I'm a driver, a uh, limousine driver, but yeah. I lost my sight. And I just wanted to touch base with you because you're so special to bring well, this topic up. Everybody been running from the truth. God died for us, didn't he? He did. You is my brother, whether you want to accept it or not. If we want salvation, <laughs> and, I got to come with this program that I have in my soul to Christ. Yeah. Christ will pull all of us together, and you're doing the job. Well, I hope so. I know there's a long way to go, but what you just said, David, I think is something that we need to hear. What you just said is 
you are my brother, you know, we're brothers and sisters, whether we like it or not, we're in that's the family right. of God. So we need, that's where the, I think a lot of the repentance has to be, right? Is that yeah. whatever we think, we, we're family. And, right. you know. I'm sorry, I just shut you off. That's okay. Go ahead. I only have another minute here to go. Yeah, well, the thing I'm worrying about, everybody want to color everything different. Yeah. We need to come together. We do. No matter what they say, you know it's not right. The system been set up to be what it is, but it's coming together, look like, a little bit. But I I retired from Parker Center, police building. I used to hear a couple of white guys come out of roll call room say, I want to go kill me two niggas tonight. Oh. You know what time it is. I don't have no. to tell you. You got a lot of Hey David, uh, I gotta I gotta move on. We can't uh, go there, but I know what you're saying. I got one more call here to go, David. Thank you, uh, Ken and Encino. Just a few seconds, Ken. Hey, how's it going? Um, just uh, following up on your previous caller. Ken, Love, um, yeah, can you hear? Me? Can you hear me? You're clicking in and out. I don't have a good connection. Oh, rough. Well, hey, well, you know, ma'am. I guess to make it short. Uh, seeking a brotherly love and coming together, being friends, um, it is hard often to be friends uh, with people who want to deny my existence as a person or people who are actively pushing for legislation that makes it illegal to uh, live in the body that I feel uh, comfortable living in or, okay. or uh, living in a way. And so, so yeah, um, you, you know, Ken, you know, I think Ken and, uh, I'm almost out of time here, but that's another reason why the politics has to come out of it, right, is that there might be legitimate differences in politics and political things, and that's something that has to be done. But you can still be friends and disagree. You can still be friends and vote differently, and that is something that is a part of this conversation. By the way, I think that Shelley earlier was referring to a passage in Second Kings where uh, Naaman is the, the story, and Gehazi, who went from Elijah's, Elisha's presence, and his skin was leprous, and he became white as snow. I don't think that has anything to do with uh, skin color uh, from a racial standpoint. I think it's because he had leprosy, and that's what color that is. All right, everybody, um, this conversation needs to continue, but we're going to uh, change the subject into the next hour. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast by... Going to kkla.com or looking for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.